When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. See, you can find out more. Ooh, look at that. We got we got the full boat. We got Brit- Brittany, are you the only woman here? Uh, well, good for me. Boys night. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Boys night out, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Lammer stayed at home to do the show today because that officer Dave might arrest him if he came in. <laughs> what, 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 what was that for? What, what, did I, what law did I break? I have, hey, I don't know what. You didn't invite you me over to watch Reacher with you when you had all uh, those episodes. Yes, that is a pretty serious offense. Yeah. Also well, with us, ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Weber in studio in town, laugh camp, doing a little comedy. It is tonight, tomorrow night, correct, Aaron? Yeah, tonight and tomorrow. Where are you from, Aaron? I'm Alabama originally. I moved to Tennessee when I was in high school, and I've been there ever since. So Nashville is where I'm based now. So So don't roll tide. No. (laughs) I grew up an Alabama fan. Uh, I went to Notre Dame. I became a Notre Dame fan. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so now I hate Auburn and Alabama equally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's nice to hear. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, good to have you in studio, Aaron, a stand-up comedian based in Nashville, Tennessee, regular performer at the uh, Grand Ole Opry. Well, that's got to be an honor. Yes. Yeah, it's one, one of the cooler things I've ever gotten to do is just uh, perform there regularly. There's only one comedian on the show, mm-hmm. uh, if that. Sometimes there's none. So to just be the one comic, and then I'm, you know, I'm performing next to – I've done it with Carrie Underwood. I've done it with uh, oh, yeah. Lady Annabellum. The Oak Ridge Boys. I've done it with them like multiple times. So it's very cool to just be in the room with those people. That's awesome. Oh, who's that guy again? I asked you guys this the other day, but Trace Atkins. Trace Atkins. That's a guy. <laughs> oh, spend your money and your nineteen dollars a month. I got to meet him sometime just to hear that voice in person. <laughs> I've met him. I've met him uh, at the comedy club in Nashville, and it's as deep as you want it to be. <laughs> there it is. He does not disappoint, and he's about eight feet tall too. So he yes. just kind of takes over a room. A big fella. Tim Lammer is brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury lawyers seeking justice for the injured. Contact Bradshaw and Bryant at MinnesotaPersonalInjury.com. Timmy Lammers, how you doing, Pally? I am doing well, thank you, Tommy. And uh, before we get into uh, talking about Mean Girls and Ted and Ted, the prequel series on Peacock. Uh, I I heard that you finally got around to seeing John Wick 4. I did. You're absolutely right. And you guys were right the whole time. You're right all along. It was long. It was three hours. Well, it's just showed as like 255, something like that. Yeah. 
fantastic movie. 160 people he, I believe, killed in one movie. I I heard Catherine is keeping a kill kill count. <laughs> she was keeping a kill count exactly. Yeah, now, did you watch it to the very very end? Yeah, you mean through the after the credits? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Yep. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, because you know, you just every movie now, you it Marvel has conditioned us to stay for the credits. Even for Mean Girls yesterday, it's like and I went with my wife and two of my kids and and uh it's like, no, no, they just wait. And it was just a brief 10-second scene or whatever. But, yeah, it's important sometimes. And and I'm glad you, you caught it. And uh, I, as I mentioned, I think last week, Ballerina is coming up. So we will see John Wick at least one more time in a prequel movie. So he, do you think he's going to do it, Keanu Reeves? Uh, for another John Wick film? Yeah. Money talks, man. <laughs> I, I, That's true. I, yeah, you know, honestly, it, it really does. And and really, it really comes down to, I think, how he feels physically. He He's in a position kind of like Hugh Jackman, where it's like, you got all the money you need. Why? I mean, because they put their body through a lot. Now, I'm not crying for these guys, believe me. <laughs> you know, that's part of the gig. That's part of what they do. But it is a lot of preparation. So it just kind of comes down to, you know, Keanu and I are about the same age. He might be a tick older than me, but we're both 59. Mm -hmm. So that's a hell of a lot to put your body through at 59. It's like, screw it. Yeah, you know, why do I want to do this? You know, I'll to if, put your body through at 37. So, really? well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Jackman, same way. I mean, he's like in his mid 50s. So, why do you want to do it? Well, he did do it again for Deadpool 3 when he swore he wouldn't. So, again, money talks, money talks. So, uh, yeah, Mean Girls, man. I tell you, it's kind of like Wonka a few weeks ago. I, I really wasn't looking forward to this. It's like, why, why? Well, in this particular case, it's one of those deals like Hairspray, which I thought was a great move. You go from the John Waters film to making it a Broadway play to making it uh, a, a, a Broadway musical, I should say, to making it a movie musical. And that's the exact path that this took. Oh, you know, the Mean Girls, though, that was a big hit 20 years ago. This came, mm -hmm. came out in 2004. It's hard to believe, 20 years already. Uh, so it went to Broadway. I don't know how much of a splash it made. I mean, obviously, big enough to do, you know, Broadway tours across the U.S., et cetera. I don't know, um, Tony-wise, how it did or whatever. But again, I mean, Hollywood, let's face it, man, they're, they're bankrupt of ideas. Let's regurgitate stuff. At least I can appreciate this sort of thing because it is a musical. And I do think that the music really adds on to the story, which is the tried and true story, right? They don't change much from the story, if anything, from the 2004 film. But it kind of brings things up a few notches when you add that music. So, you know, it's a new cast, more or less. You got Tina Fey in there. You got Tim Meadows. I mean, Tina Fey wrote the thing, the 2004 mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you bring in people like uh, this this Broadway performer who played uh, Regina George on Broadway, Renee Rapp, who's terrific. I'm glad that they're bringing in relative unknowns into the uh, uh, some of the roles, most of the roles. Uh, you have the two her two minions, uh, the other two mean girls, relative newcomers. I haven't heard of them, but you got to remember Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried. Lacey's Jabert, they were all relative newcomers when they did Mean Girls 20 years ago, and look where their careers went. So I'm all for new talent, too. So I, I really like that about the movie. 
No, it's understandable. Aaron, by the way, if you have any questions, feel free to jump in because I see you're t- tending to agree with Mr. Lammers. You'd be the first person to ever do that. Well, <laughs> yeah, the original Mean Girls came out at such a pivotal time in my life. I was 13 when yeah. it came out. I mean, I was who they wanted to see that movie. And uh, I watched it recently. So you were just talking about it's been 20 years. It's pretty amazing. It's been that long since that movie. Still quoted regularly. It's one of those movies where the quotes kind of transcended the film in a way. I think people quote that movie all the time and don't even realize it. It's been one of those movies. So I I didn't even know. Maybe this is a failure of me. Maybe it's a failure of them. I didn't even know that there was another movie in that universe coming out. So I mean, I got to go check that out. Yeah, and I see Brittany nodding too. I mean, my daughter said, you know, this is a real classic for millennials right yes it it really is your movie it's one of those movie kind of like maybe animal houses for our generation tom Mm -hmm. and dave uh you know i don't know how big of a fan tevin is of mean the original mean girls but you know it's definitely in the wheelhouse of millennials you know uh, gen z uh you know and I, i have to say i mean look i know it's different i know that I'm slightly out of touch when it comes to that stuff. Although I kind of am dialed in because I have kids that age, but it really works. And I, and I just love the fact that you can bring a film to theaters with people. How many people have actually seen the Broadway musical, right? So you have this really tall order of plugging in these musical numbers that people really by and large don't know and be successful with it. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. You know, one thing about Tina Fey, I think I mentioned this before, the late last uh, Hercule Poirot movie, Agatha Christie, Tina Fey was in it. She killed it. She was phenomenal yeah. in that movie. You well, used to she, hate her. Yeah, I did. I used to hate her guts. No, well, you know what? I wasn't really a fan of hers on Saturday Night Live. I wasn't either. Right. Never. Only Murders in the Building. She's also in that. She's mm-hmm. really good in that. I've never watched 30 Rock, although I understand it's a great I show. Know. I, I kind of had a grudge, I, I still a little grudge against Tina Fey because I was supposed to talk with her for Mean Girls 20 years ago and she stiffed me. She never yeah. Oh, poor yeah. guy. Yeah, I know. Typical. I know. But, she seems you know, smarmy. Well, that's true, Officer Dave. That is very, very true. So, But I tell you what, again, the story is pretty much the same, almost note for note in a way. But when you sit back and you realize the biggest change obviously is the music, but also you realize how much the mean girls have been, have been using social media as a weapon, if not Not teens in general, because they got so much of that sort of thing in here. I think it's been horrible. High school has been a very tough place for a lot of people because of those clicks. Right. But I think it's amplified by social media and they don't shy away from that here. They kind of point out that, you know what, this now, now they're weaponized. <laughs> the mean girls, if not all the awful teens, by this sort of thing, and and maybe you guys, you know, Aaron, Tevin, and Brittany experienced some of that going to school. Yeah, I my dad is a high school principal. He's been a high school principal for almost oh. thirty years now. And I asked him recently. I said, "How have kids changed since when you started?" And he told me, "Kids are the same." They, they have the same things going on in their lives. They, they behave the same way. They have the same insecurities, same fears. The only difference is the phone now. He said the social mm-hmm. media is yeah. just, it changes yeah. 
everything. It's stuff that just be it would be personal between two kids is now was on the internet. Now everybody's kind of tuned into it. So yeah, it's a whole new set of problems for kids these days. I don't envy them. I didn't have a, a smartphone until I was in college, so I kind of missed. I missed having to deal with all that in high school, and I yeah, I'm not envious of those kids. Well, there's a scene in this movie right away, and it's typical for most schools around the U.S. too, I would imagine. But, you know, the teacher's trying to get the students' attention, and they got their damn phones Mm -hmm. on. It's just so aggravating seeing that. It's one of these deals where if I were a teacher, and I think there's an actual district in Minnesota that recently said, hey, no school, no phones in the classroom, Mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. Yeah. People, what about emergencies? Well, Call the office. Get in the deal. So, but anyway, like you say, I, I saw Brittany nodding. I, what, what are your thoughts about seeing this new version of it? Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, 40% of my personality derives from Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> I would love to be Regina. That's why I pick on you all and call you delicate. Thank I, you. Thank you. You're welcome. I I'm so excited. Me and uh, the 13 or the 12 year old neighbor. She wants to go. So sure. we're going to like make a whole event of it. We'll make a burn book. All the things. You're going to get the oh, burn yeah. book. Popcorn yeah. You got bucket. that in this too. You do. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say again, while well, my, the, my 28 year old daughter and my 23 year old son went with me and they just loved it. They absolutely loved it. And to be honest with you, there are only about six people in the theater. So mm-hmm. including my wife and I, um, but they were laughing out loud. They were having a great time. I can't imagine what it'll be like with an audience. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it has my seal of approval. That's for sure. I'd say about 7.5 or an eight on the Lama meter. Uh, again, I maybe I'm a little out of touch with certain things, but, uh, one other thing I want to mention is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Ali Cravalo is in it and she was the voice of moana and the singing voice oh okay i mean again and this is probably why i mean she's known but this is probably why you have relatives unknown because they have that singing experience you know it's 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 tough to watch a movie where you got pierce brosnan trying to sing in mama mia look i like pierce brosnan but don't use known hollywood (laughs) actors if they can't sing right bring in the broadway folks bring in these relative unknowns that can really nail it. And that's what really made this movie that much more enjoyable. You got people that you don't really know uh, in coming in and singing, and it doesn't matter because it's the story that matters, right? It's not really the the, the personalities or the the, the celebrities that you see in it. Uh, The lead actor... Her name is uh, Angori Rice. She was in a a show called um, uh, Mare of Easttown. Oh, great. That's a great show. Yeah, she was in that, and she was in the Spider-Man movies, supporting role, but a key supporting role. She's really talented. She can sing. Uh, Then you got cameos. You got John Hamm and different folks, maybe some people from the original Mean Girls movie, I'm not going to say. So, you know, I I don't want to spoil that fun, but you can just about imagine. So, yeah, it really worked, man. I, I had a good time. I had a good time, and 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 certainly when you had the people around you, including your family, are having a good time, it's just a fun night out. Uh, well, see, that's all you ever do is make people's lives better. That's all I'm well, saying. What can I say? <laughs> no, this is the one that I'd really like to get Aaron's take on because the Ted movies. There were two Ted movies with uh, 
Seth McFarland, Seth McFarland, yes. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. getting yeah. him mixed up with Rogan. <laughs> um, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they were good. They were funny. And this is a prequel series on Peacock where you have what's Bennett? John Bennett is the Mark Wahlberg character in the movies. the The story is is that he wished for this teddy bear to become real when he was young and the, and the bear became real and it was a big hit in the eighties and the nineties people didn't give up, <laughs> you know, they didn't care anymore. And that's the premise for this, except for now, John Bennett is a 16 year old and they are forcing uh, Ted, the teddy bear again, voiced by Seth MacFarlane to go to school. So basically this is the movie all over again. It's just rude, crude humor throughout I laughed out loud a lot in that first episode, but it's basically more of the same after that. So the first three episodes, I thought the humor and, and honestly, I don't get offended by a lot of things, but I think they kind of go down avenues where when the humor is mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't want to say why, but it's like, oh boy, they're really pushing it here. And then when the third episode comes along and it's written and uh has a small role by a pal of yours dana gould oh yeah yeah Yeah. which is basically about uh renting pornos and uh doing things with lotion that's the whole movie it's like a one joke deal i mean basically ted is a one joke yeah right it's just about let's see how people how we can shock people yeah, so that, you're you're smiling, Aaron. I mean, do you like do you, do you like the movies? I'm laughing at doing things with lotion. That was such a <laughs> delicate. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to describe exactly, but I, you, I think you did crazy. actually. I think you did a really good job describing it. Uh, yeah, I I loved uh, those. Came out when I was in college, I believe. Those first first two movies, and I I, I loved them. I haven't um, watched them in a while, but I didn't know. Again, I feel like I'm so out of touch. I didn't know any of this was going on. <laughs> I didn't know there was another. I didn't know there was a Ted show going on. I gotta check this out now too. Well, honestly, I didn't find out till a couple of days ago. You gotta remember, streaming services, man. There's like a hundred new shows every week. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it feels like it. It's hard to keep up on that sort of stuff. And Mean Girls. I mean, to me, I don't know. There didn't seem to be a lot of fanfare about that, and and mainly because when you get to January on the release schedule that's usually a dumping ground for the stuff that's awful, mm-hmm. right? The studios have an obligation to release, you know, and, and why they brought this one out now, why not bring it out for the holidays? I don't know. I think it would have been fine before the holidays, but then again, you got a lot of other stuff that's crammed in there too. So maybe that's the reason why, and this has a kind of an open schedule to really make more money. It's all about making money anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, don't feel bad about not knowing about this stuff. I'm in the business of knowing about okay, this stuff, and okay, there's some of these fair. things that I don't know about. Uh-huh. All right, it makes me feel better. That makes complete. What do you got this weekend, Tim? Well, you know, I, I am uh, just going uh, to – I try not to – I want to watch NFL football, but uh, in between times, there's a new I'm, – I'm tired of Marvel, but there's a new Marvel series called Echo that I do want to see, which I guess is rated R, and – um, what is it? Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in it. Oh, I like him, and he is badass as Kingpin. So, I think I'm going to catch up on that. So, I will deliver all that to you next week. Uh, is everybody caught up on their movie going? Has everybody seen the holdovers yet? Wonderful, it's a great movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And how far are we along on Reacher, Officer Dave? Uh, I 
caught number seven last night. Oh, and you could good. just tell at the very end, he's making his death count in his head at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, just, you oh. know, I, 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 you know, do writing apart from what I do here with the reviews and stuff. And uh, I was shocked to discover and did a story on it, actually, that Alan Richson was actually a contestant on American Idol. What? In season two. I didn't know And that. three. Season two, Simon and Randy said no. Paula said yes, although he there's video out there. He flirts with Paula Abdul. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> season three, he actually went on to the Hollywood round, and they screwed him over because... By trade, the guy, he writes songs, he sings, and all that sort of stuff. When he got there, they brought him down to, to the hot tub, and he was a model at the time, so they introduced him to a female model. They said, let's, put, let's get a shot of you two in the hot tub talking and, and answering questions. And now, you know what? This is American Idol. Let's show people how we're having fun. Let's, um, Let's have you push her in the pool. Let's have you get in the pool and frolic in the pool and all that sort of stuff. So when it came to the airing of the show uh, on night three, where in reality he was helping other songwriters with their songs, mm -hmm. doing the thing, being a good guy, he was guiding these people. They said, well, where, wait, where's Alan? Where's Alan? We got to find him. And then they cut to a shot of him screwing around in the pool, making it look <laughs> like he was irresponsible. <laughs> That's not bad. I know, I, but he, he I, learned Hollywood the hard way, man. Yeah, I, but, I knew he you know could what? sing. He did actually, in uh, Titans, he sang a song, got up and did karaoke, and uh, boy can yeah. sing. Yeah, yeah, and, and apparently play guitar and everything. And uh, But you know what? I mean, we all have this path, right? And uh, he didn't. He knew he got hosed with American Idol. He didn't make it past the Hollywood round. But the other thing is, is that he realized that being where he was and being how much he loved being in L.A. and wanted to do acting, that's where he got his start. So it all worked out, I guess you could say. Took a long time, but, you know, sometimes you got to take that long path. And, boy, <laughs> it's really paying off with Reacher. I can tell you that. Great show. It's, it's actually... Season two is every bit as good as season one, which yeah. I was kind of skeptical of, but season one was. Yeah, I, I'm still favoring season one yet. Yeah, but, you know, uh, there's season three. They announced that before season two. So there's going to be more for sure. Yeah. And Robert Patrick, great bad guy this year. Yep. Huh? I introduced my daughter to Reacher. So we I got to binge uh, season one again. And she's like, yeah, the script writing just isn't quite as good this time. The acting and stuff, the storyline is still there, but the script just isn't quite as good as it was in season one, she thinks. But I, His demeanor is much different. I mean, it just, is. Standing there, just standing there, giving people a look like, you can touch that girl again, I'm going to break <laughs> He's got that perfect thousand-yard stare. There's no He does, he it. does. So I got to go. Everybody have a great weekend. Brittany, uh, Tevin, Officer Dave, uh, Aaron, nice to meet you, man. Good to meet you, Tim. And uh, we'll talk again soon. And Tommy, we'll talk in a family podcast next Tuesday. I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> <laughs> I never liked you. I never liked you. Okay, Thanks. see you guys later. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Lammers is brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury lawyer seeking justice for the injured. Contact Bradshaw and Bryant at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. That's minnesotapersonalinjury.com. 
Aaron Weber in studio with us, Laugh Camp uh, tonight and tomorrow night. One thing I got to tell you, Aaron, you did a hell of a job dressing up like a Minnesotan. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Broke out the Carhartt, you know? <laughs> I broke out the Carhartt. I always I say I, I like Carhartt because in a Carhartt, uh, I'm only an XL. <laughs> oh, that, that feels pretty good. I'm a two XL. Every other brand on earth. I'm a three, man. Come on. Yeah, are you my down a size in Carhartt? My coat's hanging outside. That's like a three X. Yeah, yeah. Somebody at Carhartt's like, let's just let them feel good. Let's take a couple of those X's off. Let's put relaxed fit. They'll think they're making progress. So anytime oh, I'm at the stage of my career, I'm eight years in. I've been just saying it for eight years. I'm whatever the worst time of year to be somewhere is. That's typically when I'm there. So I'm in Minnesota in January. I'm in Phoenix in August. So I'm just I'm just ready for it, you know. So yeah, I got I I stocked up. I got some hot hands, some of those stuff that heats up. You know, I don't get many opportunities to use this kind of stuff, so I'm excited. So the hot states do they have the same phenomenon where the more awful the weather is, the more people go to see comedy? It doesn't work with hot weather in my experience. No, yeah, it's it's it, cold weather is good for comedy. People want to yes, sit yes. sit in a room and you know and have a drink and just you know get that body heat going in the room. So cold weather, typically the the coldest time of year, that's the best time for comedy wherever you are. Aaron, have you ever worked at the Improv in West Palm Beach? Not in West Palm Beach, no. Okay, the only reason I ask you is because they tore it down and it made me very very. Mm-hmm. They had a fourteen theater movie theater that looked like a palace yeah tore it down tore down the improv which is right across the aisle from it about three restaurants because they have to put up yet another 28 story <laughs> apartment building right you know? right but i love that improv it was so great yeah. great spot so i don't know where they're they're in some place now but i don't know where they're gonna finally decide this is where we're gonna be but i love the improv they do a good job i've done a few they've got a few rooms in that area i just did uh Dania Beach, which is close by, oh, yeah, right, north, north of Miami. So the improvs are great. They got improvs everywhere. So yeah, I, I never got to do that one, unfortunately. Nah, for, what for are you going to do? Yeah, no. You'd just be sad anyway that it's gone now. So what the hell? <laughs> You're better right. off. That's all I know. It's a good way of looking at it. What What inspired you to get into comedy, or who inspired you to get into comedy? I was a, a fan of it as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a, a few specials memorized word for word. I had a couple Brian Regan specials <laughs> memorized. Oh, Kevin James had a special on Comedy Central called Sweat the Small Stuff that I still think holds up. I had that memorized, and I would just perform these for the family, Thanksgiving and stuff. My dad would make me. And, you know, and then you, you get older, and you realize there's no barrier to entry to comedy. You just kind of show up and do it. So mm-hmm. I started a little bit in college, and then when I moved back to Nashville, that's when I really, really just started doing it, you know, all the time. So that was eight years ago. That's pretty much all I've been doing since. Just once, I want to hear a stand-up comedian say, I grew up hating comedy, but then I had to move to a small town, and a special <laughs> someone showed me the comedy is the true way to make friends. The true way. It's they actually one of the worst ways to, to make friends. That is very true. Because, you know, I have these uh, young comics. They start out, and then they come to shows, and they bring their their real-life friends around, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I just tell them, like, you know, just say goodbye to them because you're, you're just going <laughs> to – they're not going to yep. be your friends in a few years. You're just going to lose touch with them, and you're just going to only hang out with comics, and you're going to be cynical and jaded, and you're going to hate everything. 
God, it sounds and like being the a way, in the drawer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Aaron, it's interesting you brought up what you did because yep. my father and I never got along. We just mm-hmm. never did. I had an older brother. He called his number one son, of course, so I wasn't real hot on that. Oh Which one? Uh, Terry. Oh, Terry. Yeah. Uh. So, and you know, I got nothing against Terry, but right. it's funny what you just said because the only time I ever communicated with my father from the time I was seven years old on up is when I would stand in front of the TV and do stand-up comedy for him. Wow. It's the only time he would ever pay any attention to me. Is it, Isn't is that, that amazing? Is that because he was trying to watch TV and you were in the way? <laughs> <laughs> no, he liked it, actually. He liked me doing the. No, the TV wasn't on. It's oh, just okay. I stood in front of it. No, was... He's watching the game over your shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dad's looking at me. Well, listen to him cheering while I'm telling jokes. Yeah. He keep raising his arms and cheering. And... <laughs> but, but that's that's a. Will you do your thing. own stuff, Tom? You'd write your own material, or were you doing uh, comedy that you'd heard? I'm guessing well, he was doing Richard Pryor. No, good guess, Andy. A lot <laughs> yeah. of Richard Pryor, except for he didn't like the f bombs too well, much. Well, so yeah, took, that's... took those out of there, so that was good. There's a lot of words you shouldn't have been saying when you <laughs> were a kid. Oh, racial say. slurs were fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah the racial fine. slurs were just fine. That's not a problem. You know what they say? You got to wash your hiney. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I still think that scene with Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor on Saturday Night Live talking about what words you could use and what words you can't with the job what? interview sketch yeah yes. yeah it's great oh, god it's it was great. brilliant mm-hmm. <laughs> good dead honky <laughs> <laughs> i do miss him by the way richard pryor god what a genius it's uh the ho- ballpark how old are you aaron i'm 32 you're 32 so do you look back at when you were 10 and was there someone that inspired you at 10 years old well, you know, like you ask comedians, a lot of them, they'll, they'll say George Carlin, Richard Pryor. That's, yeah. that's kind of the yeah. list. But the reality is my generation, that's not who we grew up on. No. It, it, was, it was Dane Cook was the biggest comedian in the world <laughs> yep. when oh, yeah. I was a kid. The super finger. And uh, yes, all of the vicious circle, that yep. special in the round. Yeah, that was uh, big for everybody. Uh, Louis C.K. after that. Mm, yeah. And then, sure. and then kind of Bill Burr was like the next wave. Those are the three three guys of, of the, I think, my generation, whether they admit it or not. Those are kind of the three guys that are the most influential uh, to comedians now. And how about Sebastian Maniscalco? Now, is he up there too? No, uh, not really. Yeah, he's, really. He's one of the biggest right. comics in the world, but he's not a guy that I, I hear talked about that often. I think maybe yeah. if, I were, if I were younger and coming up now, but when I was just starting out, and when I was high school and college, no, I, we nobody, we didn't know no. who Sebastian was at the time. Was there any specific reason that you were attracted? Because I was from the time again, because of the fact my father only spent time with me when I told him jokes. Mm-hmm. I've been interested in stand-up comedy. Well, first of all, I, I go back all the way to Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan sure. did a great job exposing co- comedy to America. A lot of people wouldn't even do it. He and Johnny Carson together. Mm-hmm really lifted comedy to a new height it was being you know the age that i am looking back at the beginnings of great great comedy like that stand-up comedy yeah that's when it all started it was just wonderful yes yeah and and um unfortunately it's the the late night shows don't do that for comics anymore i mean they'll give they them don't. they'll give them opportunities they get to perform there i have friends that but it doesn't it's not the launching pad that it used to be you know, you hear about comedians, sure. they go on The Tonight Show, and then they do well, and then all of a sudden, all their shows are sold out. 
and it just doesn't translate the way it used to. Uh, for my generation, people, it's podcasting's done that for a lot of guys. It's, oh God, yes, it's, it's Joe Rogan is what Johnny Carson was, you know, 30, yeah. 40 years ago. Um, so that. it's just, just the reality of it. Things that things have changed, you know, there's also a lot more comedians trying to do this than there ever have been. So we're, we're competing with a, with a lot more people. So it's a different it world. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I just, it's so I love to talk to different people from different areas, different ages and all the rest of it, because comedy is very, very specific. I mean, if I like this, it's what I like. I mean, that's why I ask so many people, who did you like? Who'd you grow Mm -hmm. up on? All the rest of it, because it's if you're into comedy, first of all, my grandmother's like, why do you laugh like that? What even that's not even funny. I'm like, Grandma, I'm a little younger than you. So that might have something to do with it. Maybe. Right. Right. But comedy in my family, we I don't think we would have survived without comedy in my house. There's no question about that. It's just, it's that important. Yeah, it was kind of the whole point of life, right? Was you just yep. you, to be able to just laugh about stuff. One could only hope. Do you uh, do you have another half hour with us? Can you, yeah, can you yeah I can, I'm hanging out. Oh, because we're going to take a break here and come back. Kristen Burt is a Hollywood reporter. So now, I mean, having you with a Hollywood reporter after go. just talking to Timmy, I mean, how much better could it be? But I, again, I want to thank you for dressing up like a Minnesotan. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I love he's all bundled up, but I'm sitting here in a t-shirt. You know, like, <laughs> you got to, you're wearing a t-shirt. Like, yeah, if I had uh, Officer Dave's arms, I'd be wearing a t-shirt too. Yeah, <laughs> well, there is that. That's true. <laughs> Aaron Weber, ladies and gentlemen, tonight and tomorrow night at Laugh Camp, he's staying on the show with us, and we'll be right back. Kristen Burt will join us right after this. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom here, and I want to discuss a partnership that has been wonderful in my life, Zero Res Carpet Care. Very good friends of mine. Nothing is better to someone with a family than having a completely clean home. Your carpet is the biggest filter in your house. If you want to talk about pet dander or foot traffic, dirt from the outside, they all eventually reside in your carpet. So, Zero Res Carpet Care. Listen, around the holidays, you need to contact ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-Z-E-R-O-R-E-Z. That's 952-Zero-Res. They clean your home with their electrolyzed pH-elevated water that does doesn't use chemicals or soaps that smell like a janitor's closet like other cleaning services. How about a Tom Bernard deal? Well, here it is. Get three rooms, zero resified, starting at $129, and don't forget your air ducts. Mention me, and they'll discount your air vents by $75, bucks too. This is for the entire month, so call them right now, 952-ZERO-RES, backward or forwarded, spells the same, or book online, zeroresminnesota.com. If it's available, ask for them to come to your place in the Tom Bernard name service truck. What an honor that was, by the way. Just mention me by name and get the special deal to get your home clean and your heart happy. Zero res carpet. Jim Paul of Valley Buick GMC has a mutiny on his hands. His sales crew said they've had it brooming snow off the new Buicks and GMCs, then warm them up, move them to plow, and repark them again. He even overheard them cooking up an alternative plan, a sale. This is crazy. Why don't we just mark them down and sell them? This is getting real old to be out on that lot in this sub-zero weather. That's right. Everyone we sell is one less to broom. I heard we're supposed to get six more inches tomorrow. I'm 5'6". How am I supposed to get the snow off the roof of a pickup? I'm Jim Paul, and, well, car dealers do have all kinds of crazy sales. This idea probably makes more sense than most. There's plenty of inventory, so, okay, the crew has decided. Yeah! Yeah, Now we're talking So then it's official. The We Don't Want to Broom Snow sale is in full force at Valley Buick GMC in Apple Valley and Hastings. Snowy inventory priced real right at valleycardealers.com.
You need to know a guy for your auto repairs, legal issues, banking, and more. The same goes for investment advice. You need a guy to help you be successful, someone you can trust who gets results. Well, I got a guy for you, Josh Arnold. Josh gives you straight talk, not sugar-coated advice about your financial situation. Josh has seen it all when it comes to economic and market conditions, and Josh can make sure that your retirement objectives match your investments. Do yourself a favor and call Josh now for a no-obligation, 48-minute evaluation. You've got nothing to lose, and you'll get a different point of view for your investments. Call Josh at 952-925-5608. That is 952-925-5608. You'll be glad that you did. And tell him his, his guy, Tom, sent you. Investment services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a security investment advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. All comments and opinions are Josh Arnold's and do not constitute investment advice. Tom Bernard is a paid endorser. The Tom Bernard Show is proud to have partners like North American Banking Company, Bradshaw Bryant, and attorney and advertiser, Dave Bielke. I've been advertising on Tom Bernard shows for years. I like Tom. Not just because he's a good guy, but because the ads I run on his show bring me new clients that are hurt at work and need legal help. Tommy B works for me. If you'd like to find out more about growing your business with The Tom Bernard Show, go to TomBernardShow.com, keyword partner. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just got to read one thing. Kristen's with us, of course. Aaron Weber in studio. We got Officer Dave, Tevin, Brittany, everybody. But I have to read this. A fence installed at a church near Dallas to prevent theft was stolen off the church property. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like what they needed fence? two fences. <laughs> Good God. They stole the fence that was protecting them from stealing whatever was inside the church. Really? Need <laughs> <laughs> to steal a fence, I would imagine. I would think anyway. What do you think? Well, I, unless they, they probably don't cement them into the ground like we do up here. Yeah. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, we got we do con pour the concrete and they stick the fence post in there. You're absolutely right, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen Bird Entertainment News brought to you by North American Banking Company. Go to nabanco.com to learn more. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Kristen Burt, meet Aaron Weber. He's in. Hi, Aaron. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Life is magnificent. All right. We're going to, I'm just, I'm going to sit back now and just listen to Aaron Weber interview Kristen Burt. I didn't oh. know he was going to do this, but I figured. <laughs> no pressure, Aaron. Go ahead. <laughs> Kristen, let's talk about the Middle East. Let's get into it. Um, oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Way to take it down. That's right. <laughs> Love it. So, Kristen, what's up? I don't know if you guys saw this. I know you guys were just talking comedy in the segment before, but has everyone seen the George Carlin AI video? Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and it made me think when we started this show in February, we just like were lightly talking about AI. Mm -hmm. It's here. Like, I feel oh, yeah. like 
Hollywood missed the boat on all of this. You know, we spent an entire six months striking and AI was one of the big situations with it. It took off without us. It's really going to be a big concern. It is a concern. Now, why is it legal for someone to use an AI of you to make a movie? How is that legal? I, that's the thing. You know, I know Congress actually just uh, put a bill um, forth because they're trying to sit there and make it illegal for deep fakes. Because I'm sure that they're concerned as politicians mm -hmm. about their own likeness and the words that they speak. Oh, God. Um, Hollywood, obviously, it's a problem, but it's a problem for everyone. And it's really interesting to see um, how it's it's just taken off and there's no real regulation unless you go and take it to the courts and sue. And that's what the estate is going to have to do for George Carlin. Well, that's the thing about developing technologies like AI is that everything is legal by default. Right. It has to become illegal. So Correct. things like AI, uh, this is something that lawmakers couldn't even conceive of while they were writing the laws. So it's not illegal yet, but I'm sure it will be very soon. Yeah, they, they have to. And they have to move very quickly on it um, because AI has to exist because that's where technology is headed. But how can it exist? It needs to coexist with the real people out there in this world. And I think that's been a, a really interesting discussion that, that's going on. Um, but I feel like everybody is 10 steps behind the tech industry right now. Oh, I don't think it's any quick. You know, it would be great for me, though, if they stole like my image to do AI. I could do this show the way I'm doing it, and then they could do that show for all the people that think I'm a raging prick, and they could watch that one. <laughs> but you, you don't want that. You Why know, not? And, <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I worked with a company, Channel AI, uh, with my permission and my likeness for like a one-off situation because I wanted to understand the technology and what goes behind it. And when I did it, and like the result is so fascinating because – I wish I had taken a photo of myself that day on set to show then what I look like even. Like my hair was different, my makeup was different. They aged me up. Um, the tone of my voice is different. Obviously they had me speaking a different language. Um, so I gained a real understanding of it and that's why I did the project. But to understand how they can manipulate your image without your permission right now yeah, yeah. is frightening. It is. Why is it they don't have to, I suppose, like anything else, isn't it? They, you have to prove they're somehow hurting you. I mean, do you have to prove that or will they just tell them to stop doing it anyway? Uh, I, I guess that's something for the courts to kind of figure yeah. out, to sort through. I mean, because can people just randomly use your image? That's tough. That's a tough but, I mean, and I, my question would be, and, and this is where the legalities may come into play. Um, it's on the Dudesy channel on YouTube for George Carlin. Are they monetizing? If they're monetizing off mm. of that particular video, then George Carlin's estate will definitely win that case. You know, it's kind of interesting about that because I got to spend a lot of time with George Carlin on and off over the, the 37 years I was at the queue and all the rest of it. You could not meet a nicer man than him. What a nice guy, you know? I, I wish we had his voice in comedy with all of the, the shenanigans that have yeah. gone on the past decade. <laughs> it would have been really interesting. I did. Look, how do you, Aaron, maybe this is a question for you. Mm -hmm. How do you lie in bed as a comedian, as George Carlin, and all of a sudden you decide, I'm going to tell a joke for a long time about blue food. <laughs> like, how does that even occur to you? <laughs> 
I don't know, man. If, if I cracked the formula, I'd feel pretty good. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I get asked that all the time. How do you come up with? What do you come up with? How do you find? I don't know. It just kind of mm-hmm. happens to you, right? right? And then you process it through your own, through your own brain. Uh, I don't know, man. It's George Carlin. It's uh, he's he was a singular mind. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's all it's all very scary. I, I'm at a stage in my career. I would love for somebody to do something with my image, mm-hmm. and uh, have AI write some jokes for me, and I'll do them in person. But it's a it's a terrifying. What my if hope. They find the AI more funny than right. yeah. That would be. I will say. I watched that. I watched the Carlin AI special. Did not think it was that funny. Right. So that was the silver lining for me. It's like, oh, it sounds like him. It talks like him. It's not funny yet. But, God, we're on the early stages of this. So <laughs> a couple of years from now, I'm sure it'll be hilarious. Um, my, my hope is, my hope is, as a live performer, that with all of this AI, people will seek out human experiences in person, and they'll go out of their way to be in a room with another human being. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive, but I, but I, I feel optimistic <laughs> about it. Yeah, well, because you're going to find out. Yeah, and you're going to find out that, yeah, you can make a you know AI comedian, but he's not reading the room and realizing like this line of jokes right. isn't working. I need to pivot to this other material. Yeah, my well. husband is obsessed with AI. Like he's automated so many things, and I would say two percent of it makes sense, and ninety-eight <laughs> percent of it, it drives me batshit crazy. Like, <laughs> let me turn on the freaking light myself. I don't need. Yeah to like have to yell at some weird robot or anticipate it's right we're not yeah i feel like we're right now in a uh, we're an okay place right now no, I, I think it's going to accelerate to a not okay place i think mm-hmm. if we don't get those regulations in place but and- you know that's what everybody said about the internet it's just a game changer it's a tool right like by i and it you kind of have to pivot it's there's things that obviously will fall to the wayside but like I think acting like it is the problem when we don't know what it's going to be used as if it could keep you up at night. Well, I, I would say, though, we lost a lot in terms of privacy or once yeah. the Internet came about. I mean, you can just go on the Internet and find anyone's address and yeah. information. You go to the dark web. Everybody's social security number is out there. And we've had to take steps to protect I, you know, our identities and things yeah. like that. So it, it was interesting too. And I'll just tell you, um, I was looking up, we do a lot of celebrity real estate sometimes with articles and one of them happened to be in my neighborhood. And I'm like, Oh, that house looks familiar. I can't figure out where. Cause of course they don't give out the address. All it took was a reverse Google image search. Yeah. And I had the address in a matter of 90 seconds and officer dave i've i bet you know all about this in terms of stalkers and people that are struggling to maintain their privacy in in serious situations yep a reverse phone uh search is pretty easy to do you know you get a you get a random phone call and just do a reverse phone number and you've got pretty much address and how how many bills they paid how many bills they haven't paid and yep yeah, no, I mean, that technology's been around for a, a long time with a lot of that stuff. But think about, like, we would not be able to do this show with you, Kristen, have we not all this technology, too. So I think there is a give and take with any new thing that comes. I mean, if you think about when the automobile came into play, we lost a lot of our walking space 
in, in uh, urban areas. And like, there's just all these things that's going to be a plus and minus. I, I don't know. Like, I think AI is going to also create jobs. Like, there still has to be control around it as well. So I, I don't know. There's a lot of money to be made in AI if you're getting into it right now. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. For sure. Brother Manj, that's probably true. Aaron, is there a, is it it's still a situation? Because a few years ago, I went through a deal where a lot of comedians were not happy because there were certain things you couldn't make fun of anymore. It used to be you could make fun of whatever you wanted to, tell jokes about whatever you wanted to. Is it still, are you still in that situation where some things just can't be, you cannot joke around about some things? I think you can still say whatever you want. You're just going to take some heat from it. <laughs> okay. You know, you're just going to take heat, which is which is just part of it. I uh, maybe I'm a coward. I don't know. I don't talk about anything on stage that uh, you know I wouldn't want my grandmother to hear. I always well, I always pretend good. that my grandparents are sitting in the front row. So I'm a bit of a coward. I don't I don't talk about anything. I make fun of me, and that's pretty much it. So. But I have friends and I have, you know, idols, comedians that I look up to who, mm -hmm. uh, who, who do that kind of thing. And I think they can still, I still hear ridiculous things said on stage every night, absurd, mm -hmm. crazy things <laughs> that I would never repeat. <laughs> uh, so you just, yeah, if you're in the right room with the right people, you can say whatever you want. It's just when it's online and it kind of, um, it gets outside of your world. You know, when you're talking to your fan base or your audience, you can say whatever. But sometimes something goes viral; it gets outside of your world. Then you're gonna the bubble you, outside mm -hmm. of your bubble. Exactly. You're gonna you're gonna take some heat from people. But I don't know. You just push on and keep doing what you're doing. You know, well, you, that's a good answer. A lot of that exists online, and and I've yet knock on wood, but I've yet to really see it show up in the real world. You know, I've never well, seen yeah. protesters outside of a comedy club. I, it, it, has it, oh, it, it has happened. It has yeah. happened for sure. But but the disparity between the amount of uh, activity online versus what shows up in the in the real world is just it's 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 huge. You well, know, a good example of that is a, you know doing comedy right now must be a little difficult because uh, you look at the news right now and the way people think people's. Thoughts are so distorted now. And the example I, that I used very early in the show this morning was that you can uh, you can joke around about certain things, other things you can't mess around with so much. Do politics have a lot to do with that? People's political beliefs, because they started yelling at, when I was, you know, probably a little older than you, Aaron. Mm -hmm. You would never think of talking out. Uh, shouting out to a comedian on stage. Right. Nobody ever even thought of doing that. Now they do it all the time. Right. And I think it's because they see on television, uh, you got the the Republicans going after Biden, trying to put him in prison for all his illegality. And then you got the Democrats going after Trump, trying to put him in prison for all the stuff that he's done. And then you see a story about a guy that beat his little baby so badly it has brain damage, and he was put on probation. Like, right. what the hell are you thinking here? Uh -huh. So how do you get past that bizarre thinking that we've, got, we've come to in 2024? Well, I think people, uh, yeah, if they're inundated with all of this from, from the media and from the news, I think they show yeah. up maybe to a comedy show and they're a bit on edge and they're kind yeah. of ready yeah. to be condescended to or to, you know, to, uh, to have their beliefs challenged. 
But I think for the most part, even the comedians that, that get super political or super edgy at all, it comes from a place of just trying to be funny. So if you can yeah. if you can build up that rapport with an audience, if you can get them to trust you, you can get to a point where you can kind of say whatever. It just takes a little bit of skill to have them think, oh, this guy's just messing around. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it, it, you know, it's all fun. Yeah. And as far as like people yelling back out to you, regardless of what it's about, I feel like social media, Andrew Schultz is a very popular comedian where mm-hmm. he'll post a lot of his um, crowded crowd work online and he'll show the camera will show the audience members faces. So people go, oh, I can go to this show. Yes. If the comedian's filming. I might be able to get my little five seconds of fame, 10 yes. seconds of fame because, you know, other people do it. Well, so you're that you're describing a very real dilemma in in the stand-up comedy world that's talked about mm-hmm. quite often, which is it is very hard to write material. Mm-hmm. It is very hard to build an hour of material. It's the hardest thing in the world to write an hour's worth of jokes. Absolutely. But also, a comedian needs to exist in the world of social media, right? We have to put content out. But yeah. what you don't want to do is put out your jokes into the world and then they come see you live and you're doing the same jokes. You don't want to oh, burn your material, God. right? So that's mm-hmm. given rise to this this trend of of crowd work clips and heckler videos because you can put out content without burning your act. Yeah. So yeah. now what I think and I've heard a lot of other comedians say this is that's conditioning audiences to show up and expect yeah. that that's how it's going to that's how the show is going to be. You and know, if they're watching like a Matt Reif, who's like Mr. Crowdwork themselves, right. you know, who's so prevalent on TikTok. Totally. They're 100% conditioned to that. And then they come see Aaron Weber, who is a <laughs> is terrified to talk to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and they show up and they think, they're, I'm going to have a Matt Reif moment with them. And I, I just, you know, I, I don't, that's not what I do. And I think even you saw it with Matt Reif, the special he just put out, it was just an hour of material, right? That's what he wants to do. But the reality is you have to put out content and you don't want to burn your whole act online. So it's just it's a tough place for for us all to be in. What how I'm approaching it is I'm just trying to, to write quicker and write write more mm-hmm. stuff. You know. And it's hard to become very popular too. I mean, Matt Reif just had his own little comeuppance, mm-hmm. you know, in the first two minutes of his Netflix special. And right, right. It, you know, everyone who just built you up all of a sudden suddenly knocks you down so it's yeah. it's a fine balance of like how successful you want to be and what type of success you want to build that like long-term success yes. where i see someone like matt rife as the flavor of the year mm-hmm. not gonna lie I yeah don't, i think he's gonna fall out of favor soon i'm sure you see it with uh not just in comedy but in everything it's it you scale to a point you get so famous that the only interesting thing to do to you is is tear you back down mm-hmm. right it's yeah. it, it happens it, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And Matt Reif, who is a, a very nice guy and has been doing stand-up for 12, 13 years. He's been doing comedy clubs since he was 16 or 17. Has been working very hard and has done nothing but treat people well along the way. He gets to a point, he gets the biggest opportunity of his career, and then people just start throwing rocks at him. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a little depressing. Matt Reif's doing fine. I want to yeah. say that. He's doing better than me. All right. I would love to get canceled from a Netflix special. He's still going to he's still going to sell out his right, audience. Right. Exactly. Does, it's the same thing. We just saw Joe Coy kind of have a meltdown at the Golden Globes, but his audience is not the Golden Globes audience. No. So when he goes off to his, you know, next uh-huh. big theater, he's still going to sell out. I right. do think 
it cuts him off. And I said this earlier this week, I do think it cuts him off to some TV opportunities because studio executives don't have much of an imagination and they're going to go, Oh, he can't do that. So they'll cut it. It'll cut off some of his Hollywood opportunities, but out in the road, he's fine. Yeah. He's selling out arenas all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, who would take that gig? I was thinking about that's the worst gig I can think of. In the, the Golden Globes? To host the Golden Globes on 10 Nobody days notice. Nobody wanted yes. it. To the Nobody worst audience possible. Like, I, I, I mean, that what a hell gig that is. It's like a corporate <laughs> gig on steroids for a that's comedian. Where, oh. That's where we could use AI. Like, just a literal robot. My Roomba could go up there and just yeah, say the next one is supporting actor and while he's cleaning. So, right. Brittany, I think we should have Kevin and London host. And that way we have our cats do it. They would kill it. People love cat videos right it's just yeah. two cats playing and then we go to the next it'd be fine yeah. like it the hosting job we literally could be filled by any of our alexas at any moment it'd be fine <laughs> yeah uh, but the truth is nobody wanted the the golden golds job that's why it, he when he said he got it 10 days before the show he literally got yeah. it 10 days before the show i mean they wow. announced it right before the christmas holidays and they went down the list until they got to Joe Coy. And I'm not saying Joe Coy is doing really well right. in his career, mm-hmm. but I'm saying they went to all of the the A list yeah. comedians, sure. right. the A plus names first before they hit Joe and Coy. And that's where, like, Kristen, I just feel like what a loss because like that could have been part of the joke. Is he if he really leaned into like, you know, like I was the 48th on the list. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's funny. Right. Yeah, like that's funny. And then also, I do think. If he would have been dating Chelsea Handler still, she would have told him not to do it, and and he would have listened. But yeah, yeah. But if he had leaned into, I love that the sort of the anonymity that yeah. a lot of this audience that night was going to be like, who is Joe Coy? It probably would have like killed. Yeah. One the sad thing about that is, pretty hard to find a guy nicer than Joe Coy. Yeah, I've always liked him. He's a great guy. He's going to be fine, though. He's going to be mm-hmm. fine. And like, he did. He went out in public the next day. Like I said, he did his little apology tour. But at the same time, he said, I defend the work that I did on stage, which I think is good. He's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I, I didn't I didn't always hit, but I still defend the work that I did. I give myself he's like, I give myself an A plus. I'm like, knock it, you know, <laughs> go for it. Because people yeah. are going to appreciate right. you putting your face out there instead of hiding for 10 days and then emerging going, sorry, guys, I wasn't at my best. Right. You know what? You having material for your show later. And oh, his next reference special. it on any show being like, remember when I bombed at the Golden Globe? We'd be like, yeah, You know I who remember. did that too? David Letterman when he yeah. bombed at the Oscars, that yeah. Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah. He yeah. used that for years and he can do his Chris Rock post Will Smith slap tour. Totally. And people are going to love it. You know what's funny is I, I saw all the headlines, Joe Coy bombs at the Golden Globes, right? So I was like, oh man, you know, I bombed before. I bombed three times last week. <laughs> I go, let's see, let's see what a bomb at Joe Coy's level looks like, right? So I pull up the clip. Dude, he's getting laughs in the room. And the line that uh, everybody harped on, which is where he's like, guys, I had 10 days to do this, whatever. What'd you expect? A perfect monologue? That's a comedian in the room doing what he needs to do to survive, right? But yeah. I was like, dude, if that's a bomb, yeah, I don't know what a bomb is. Yeah. I, did a, I did a corporate gig two weeks ago, uh, found out, Later that day, that no no one in the room spoke English. That's oh, a bomb. Oh, you found out no. after the gig. 
Okay. Yeah, I had a, a magician followed me. At the, it's a corporate gig at noon in Nashville for a landscaping company, right? I go up at noon. A magician, I bomb horrifically, dude. They, they, they're, I'm getting, they're booing me. I, I don't even know. I, I mean, I, my bomb transcended languages apparently. But I left, and then the magician DM'd me later that night and said, "Did you know nobody in that room spoke English?" What? How Aaron... long was your set? Thirty minutes. Oh, oh God! <laughs> the longest if... thirty minutes of your life. Oh yeah. So that's a bomb, dude. That's a that's a bomb. So the Joe Coy clip, I'm like, oh, dude, I would have taken that any day of the week. Aaron, I don't mean to ruin your weekend, but what if the magician was just telling you that to make you feel better? <laughs> Maybe. I'd actually take and run with it to make myself feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just going to choose to believe him because it, it makes a lot make sense. I mean, because they didn't mm. even like, uh, I said, how's everybody doing? And that got nothing. Yeah, Ooh. so, so it, yeah, they all spoke not English. Yeah. Anyway, well, Where that's were they from, do you know? Uh, were they from the U.S. or were they from out of the states i think they they live here and okay. uh and uh so landscape likely was Immigrate. yeah yeah it was yeah. a lot a lot Latinos. of immigrants in the room just uh maybe the worst situation for comedy yeah. that's, possible that's yeah. also that's on them they should have known yeah for like, real. hey let's get a comedian that speaks whatever language it is that we speak oh. if we don't speak english yeah yeah not that i could have changed my set to spanish <laughs> but uh it would have been that's nice to know like, i would have done a lot more act outs to try to convey my... <laughs> you know what I mean? imagine, imagine going to china and going to see a local chinese stand up and being like wow that was horrible <laughs> It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you went to a stand-up who speaks Chinese. What, do you, what were you expecting? Well, let me think about it from their perspective. Imagine having lunch with your coworkers, and there's a guy yelling at you in a different language. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, what kind of convention I've had that happen this? to me before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have booed him, too, if I were there. I'm trying to eat back here, dude. Be you know? quiet. <laughs> anyway, Joe Coy, but like you said, Joe Coy is one of those guys... You go to comedy clubs, and I always ask them. I ask every comedy club I'm at. I go, who, who's been who's been the worst here? Who's been awful to deal with? Oh my god! And who's been and who's mm -hmm. been great? And Joe Coy is nothing but good things about him. Yes, mm -hmm. he would show Come on, up. Aaron, dish he, the, the, yeah. the dirt. We want to know. Oh no, no, no! I don't. Want, I don't want to name names, <laughs> but it's it's probably you. You can probably guess. Yeah, the names that usually come up when you hear, like I remember when, <clears throat> excuse me, Dane Cook. When he had his own meltdown in uh, out in Hollywood, people were like, "Ah, we're not really that surprised." Or like, there was a scandal at a club that I worked at, and like all the comedians that came through, they're like, "Oh, we could have told you this was gonna happen yeah. years ago because right. we've been hearing stories like that." So yeah, it's usually not. It's too big always of the same people. Everyone talks. It's a small industry. Totally. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between a, a celebrity having a bad day, and yeah. then the person that treats people horribly every single time. And we all know who those I'll tell you, are. Joe Coy bought there. There's a, a server at a comedy club who had just had a kid, and Joe mm -hmm. Coy showed up the next night and with he bought shoes for the server's oh. kid. Oh. That's the That's kind of guy cute. Joe Coy is. And I've never yeah. met him, but I know people that have worked with them, and it's nothing but good things. So yep. yeah, and see, people share those stories. To That's see cool. him just trash, I mean, it, it's it's annoying. But like I said, dude, I'd take that. If that's the worst bomb of my life, I'd be pretty happy. 
Yeah. And <laughs> Joe Coy, years ago, he came to a, a club that I was working at and performed. And yeah, like you were saying, Aaron, very nice, very gracious and everything. He had like, uh, at the time, guys that were up and coming in the comedy scene that, you know, would never have gotten booked if they weren't, you know, right. on his shows. And he's bringing right. them on the road with them, paying for all of their food and things mm-hmm. and hotels. So that way mm-hmm. they can just come get time. So yeah, he's very gracious with his uh, time and energy. Totally. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because Monday we are going to be release- releasing that very lost episode. I put that together. Uh, it was like 2016, I think. Um, Joe Coy was in studio, and you were oh. there too. Yeah, I think he had King Batch was the guy that he okay. had, had with him, who okay. was at that time like a Vine superstar. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Vine. Yeah. Remember Vine? Yeah. <laughs> that came and went in like two seconds, in six seconds. Yeah. Ha ha. <laughs> That's my dumb joke. That was good. That's my dumb joke. <laughs> All right, Kristen, we got a couple of minutes left. Anything else we should be watching for to maybe view this weekend? Any movies coming out? Um, well, I, you know what? I was going to um, just throw out uh, – yesterday I meant to talk about it. Lind, they're going to do a Linda Ronstadt bio, biopic with Selena Gomez, which I thought was, like, the most genius casting. Mm-hmm. Did you guys that. see that? I feel like this is going to be, remember when Jennifer Lopez did Selena? I was like, this is Selena Gomez's opportunity. I was like, she's, her career fascinates me because I feel Mm -hmm. like she's pivoted from like Disney princess, like into a serious career. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, the whole, you know, the thing about comedy, I got, and like I said, we only got about a minute left here, but, but the one thing about comedy, it's amazing. Each person has their own sense of humor so you're not going to make everybody happy in any case. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I'll give you an example in my own case. I, uh, you could take Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Stephen Colbert, and the other Jimmy, whatever. I don't think any, they're not funny at all. Fallon? Fallon, yeah, there <laughs> the you other go. Jimmy. Old, dr- old drunkie. But are you allowed to be funny in late night? Well, that's the whole, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Are they even allowed to be funny on late Probably night? Probably not. They're not the funny in the least. What do you think, Aaron? What do you think? You you watch the shows? Uh, when I have friends that perform on it, I'll I'll watch them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anybody that sits down and watches those shows anymore. No, that's uh, exactly my point. Nobody watches it. They don't have any audiences anymore. No. Well, there's a there's a big audience on YouTube the next day for some of their stuff. Yep. Yeah. There you, you know, go. That, yeah, they watch like the best of like clip reels. Well, they put every that. segment on from all those shows on on YouTube the next day. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can so watch like they most know of the show. that mm-hmm. no one is actually watching the show, and they're just yeah. going to watch it on YouTube the next day. So they're like, "Well, I mean, that's you know, it's it's a it's adaptation." There are guys who've been, and I think all those guys you mentioned have have done funny things on the show. But there's like oh, Conan. Sure, yeah. Conan's yeah. a good example of. I always thought Conan was very funny. He Conan's did great, great segments. His podcast, on his show. Is his podcast is I don't great. know if people are listening to it, mm-hmm. but it's so good. I mean, even like Colbert, you know, I don't like him as a person or a comic, but like this, <laughs> the, the superb. Just want to just want a disclaimer here. Yeah. I hate everything about him, but but <laughs> the superb good. owl joke was very funny because you can't say Super Bowl on superb TV. Owl. Yeah, so he was yeah. like, we, "We got this superb owl here. Everyone's excited uh-huh. to look for because not bad, uh, you know, clever." Yeah, these guys are talented. You know, they they they're in this position oh, for a reason. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy true. Fallon's opening to the primetime Emmys, still my favorite, when he did Born to Run. Go back and watch it. Oh, okay. Was he it's sober? so good. 
<laughs> was he sober? I don't know. He's just asking a question. I don't I, know. He's just a little buzzed up. Yeah. But if you see all the blind items on the internet, it doesn't seem like he is often, allegedly. Me and, yeah. me and Tom are just jealous because he got to continue his drinking career and we had to stop. Yeah. So we're just both jelly. Or you could be TJ Holmes. Has anyone been following the TJ Holmes Amy Robach podcast? He's like, no. I've been drinking 18 drinks a day. I'm like, oh, Jesus. you have a problem. They were explaining why they're doing dry January. And I was like, 18 drinks in a day? And they were both of them and they're laughing about it. The, and for people who don't know who these are, these are the two GMA um, anchors that were having an affair and oh. then got kicked off of ABC News because it violated their contract. Uh, they now have a <laughs> podcast. But they were like, we would go out and we would like run 10 miles. And then by noon, we were already two drinks in. Wow. They and I'm like, you're airing this publicly? And they are laughing like it's the funniest <laughs> thing. And I'm like. Well, of course, they're drunk. <laughs> no, they're doing dry January, supposedly. Oh, of course so. they are. Dry January. Dry as in nine drinks Because it's astonishing so i was like maybe you guys want to seek out aa i don't know i mean at 18 drinks it's actually dangerous to just stop drinking all of a sudden probably true that's like that's the point where your body is going to like snap back and something bad could happen Ugh. that's good advice if you have a problem just keep doing it right just <laughs> lean yeah. into it you know? <laughs> lean yourself off of it yeah that all works out Kristen. we will talk to you on tuesday oh we've got monday off Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right, thanks yeah. for letting me You're know, welcome. everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> well, it wasn't my job to alert you. It might have been somebody else's job around here that dropped the ball, but you know. Yeah, Dave. Who am I pointing fingers at? Yeah, Dave. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I got to work. What do you mean? <laughs> hey, whatever. It all works out in the end. See you all Thank on you. Tuesday. We will talk to you on Tuesday. We'll be right back. Wrap things up right after this. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Listen live on the Tom Bernard Show app or at TomBernardShow.com. You know the song Kokomo? It's supposed to be off the Florida Keys, right? Hate to break your Beach Boys bubble, but that's a fictitious place they made up for the song. Fortunately for the rest of us, the Florida Keys island chain are as real as the taxes you have to pay in Minnesota if you're a resident. Now that's a reason to move south. In addition to Florida and all of Monroe County being beautiful, the Keys from Key Largo to Key West are even more beautiful. This is Tom Bernard, part-time Florida resident myself. And if you want a second house or a new retirement home or want to become a Floridian, may I suggest you contact Matt Carlson from One Key West Realty. Matt grew up in Litchfield. He's a super real estate agent when it comes to finding your tropical island space in the Keys. He lives there and here, and Matt knows what's best in Key West to buy. For your second home in Florida, Matt teamed up with fellow Minnesotan from Sartell and Alexandria, Kristen Eklund, who's one of the top mortgage brokers in the country from Coast to Coast Mortgage. She'll get you the financing you need to buy a home in Florida or in Minnesota. Matt's part of the Lake Sotheby's International Realty Group here in Minnesota, and Kristen, his mortgage colleague, lives and works in the Keys, so they both know the Florida Keys' new and existing homes for sale and are Minnesotan through and through. Contact them by heading to OneKeyWest.com. That's OneKeyWest.com. This is Bob Sansevier, and I want to tell you about Dave Bialki from Bialki Law. Dave represented my wife, Mary, when she had a significant workplace injury. She was very happy with the job Dave did. If you have a work-related injury and have Dave represent you, I'm betting you'll be happy too. 
Dave is a down-to-earth guy. He grew up in northern Minnesota, rides a Harley, and worked various jobs doing concrete, electrical, plumbing, roofing, and carpentry work. Dave works for people with work-related injuries. If you work construction, or anywhere for that matter, and you're hurt or even just hurting, you should talk to Dave. Let's face it, our bodies wear out. If your body is worn out from work, if your knees or back or shoulders hurt from things you do at work, do what Mary did. Call Dave and talk to him about it at Bialki Law to set up a free initial consultation. The number to call is 763-571-2410. That's 763-571-2410. Or visit BialkiLaw.com. That's B-I-A-L-K-E Law.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Michael Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with many multi-generational businesses. Take Personal Care Dentistry of Roseville, for example. Dr. Walter Hunt, also known as Painless to me, has been a longtime customer of the bank since we opened the bank in 1998. When his son Kyle was ready to join the practice, they wanted to expand quickly. With their additional space and equipment, they now are able to see more patients each day while providing the same level of care and service. Okay, guys, I'll take it from here. If you run a family business or any kind of business for that matter, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. So why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Weber with us. Uh, Laugh Camp tonight and tomorrow night. Aaron is a stand-up comedian based in Nashville, Tennessee. He's a regular performer at the Grand Old Opry, which I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Nope, oh, we can't hear him. What happened? Oh, no. There we go. Oh, are you a country music fan, Tom? Uh, it all depends on which era you're talking about. <laughs> I'm with you, Tom. Right now, it's a little kind of too similar for me. Every song kind of sounds the same. I have some performers I really, really like, but mm-hmm. it's like the Smoky Mountain Breakdown era. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, the, the Opry does a good job of there's a little bit for everybody, right? There's modern stuff, and then there's yep. um, you know guys from the '70s and '80s that are that are still doing it. So it, it, they're fun. Yeah, no question about it. One thing I will tell you, I used to work at Capitol Records back in the day when there still were record companies. I suppose it. Are there any record companies anymore? They all just fold up. Yeah, they exist, but they yeah. mostly they mostly exist to copyright strike people on YouTube. <laughs> uh, that's true. It's a good point. But yeah, so I used to travel with a lot of acts, you know, whether it be R and B or rock or country or whatever. I will tell you, I never met one country artist that was not a great person. Really, They're very very nice people. Yeah, that's good to hear. All all the ones I've I, I've yet to interact with somebody who uh, who big time me or or talk down to me right. in any way there right. at the Opry. So that, that that's good to hear. No, I can see that happen. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever uh, went on the road with Hank Williams Jr. The first time that I showed up at one of his shows, he's on stage and shows over. So I walk out on stage to say hello and tell him, "Hey, I'm Tom from Capitol Records." All the rest of it. Drops to his knees and goes, thanks for all your hard work, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very touching, and it was very funny at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah, Oh, that's Really great. good show. He that's was one of my heroes when I, years ago, for country music. Oh, yeah. Hank Jr. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
By the way, Aaron, there was a comedian, a a, a country and western comedian on that show named the Duke of Paducah. <laughs> Paducah, Kentucky? Kentucky, yeah. Paducah. Wow. I don't know the Duke of Paducah. That's a great oh, name, though. I think the Duke's been dead for quite some time. Yeah. He died before I was born. So, yeah. yeah okay. So, yeah. 1986. Wow. Duke yeah, of Paducah. That would have been about 1980, 81, something. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was born in 1901. What? Yeah. <laughs> Holy that was a while ago. Jesus. Duke of Paducah hung in there, man. So he, he was about 85 years. Yeah, he like. was 85 years old. Oh, there you go. It's nothing wrong with that. But it, it's interesting you asked that question, Aaron, because my mother... I grew up in the, in the ghetto, as they used to say, and my mother loved country music, so she'd be playing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was kind of, in a way, it was great because you have this one, you know, the exterior world, then you come in the house and she's got the old country and western going, like Don Williams, great singers like that. She's mm-hmm. just, so I'm a, I am a big fan of country music. I really am. I love it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's uh it's not lost on me how crazy it is to to get to perform there. Oftentimes, I'm the only comedian. Um, actually, oh, every yeah. time I've done it, it's just a bunch of music acts and then me. So it's 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 amazing to just be a part of it. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I should mention again, ladies and gentlemen, starting on Tuesday, we are going to go to a podcast format, which I can. I mean, it's going to be the same format that we basically do, but we'll shrink it down to about an hour and a half, which I'm I'm kind of looking forward to do because we do an hour and a half of the the morning show and then do another hour with the family. That's going to be, uh, it's going to be great. Uh, so we're shortening the show down to, it was three hours before three hours is too long radio. You can do three hours, uh, podcasting, not so much. I mean, you can, if you want to, but yeah, so the times will be eight to nine 30, right? Uh, eight to nine 30 yeah. for the morning show. And, and then nine 45 to 10 45, nine 45 to 10 45 for the family show. There you exactly. go. I got very lucky, Aaron, because I talked to all my family, my wife, our son, our daughter, talked to everybody in the family into doing an hour show with me. Oh. And I just, I love it. That's we've amazing. For 12 years. 12 years we've been doing it. Wow. Yeah. No question about it. No, it's a wonderful thing. No question. But uh, yeah, go see Aaron Weber tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow night he will be at Laugh Camp. They do a great job at Laugh Camp, by the way. I want to throw that in. It's too. a great club, man. I did it last year, had a great time. So I'm excited to be back for sure. One thing I got to tell you, Aaron, it's great mm-hmm. to have you in because it's not as easy. First of all, the morning show I did at KQRS starting in 1986 was the first morning show in America that had comedians on it. People, Radio wow. people never wanted comedians on their show. They just didn't want to put up with it uh-huh. because you're funny and they, well, you won't, they'll make me look unfunny. Well, you're unfunny anyway, so it all works out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of sad now because of digital they're all doing their own podcast, so they don't mm-hmm. do much radio or podcasting anymore. They just don't show up, which yeah. is unfortunate in a way, because I really loved doing that. Really did. Yeah. Well, anytime I'm back in this area, man, I'd love to do this again for sure. Well, Thank you so much it. for having me today. Thank you very much, sir. It's great to have you on. So, again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you. Well, we got the family show coming up in a couple minutes, but Tuesday, uh, 8 to 930, it'll work out perfectly. No question. We shall take it. Thank you again, Aaron Weber. Thanks, guys. Great to meet you all. Tonight, tomorrow night. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Kick things off.